The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Welcome to the RPG After Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and the future, multiple timelines. Uh, this is episode 13. I'm Jay. I'm Rich. And I'm Big Scott. <laughs> big, big Scott. Uh, so today we are beginning the review of the long sought after Final Fantasy VII remake. But first, let's catch up. So, what have you guys been up to, Scott? Um, more of the same, really. We uh, we did uh, more Animal Crossing pretty much every day out for hours on end. Um, today we just got our museum upgraded. It has an art exhibit in it now. Um, we are wheeling and dealing, and uh, I also did a couple more days of Ring Fit Adventure, Beat World Twelve. Uh, on last week's episode, did I say that I beat the seven remake or no, no, I don't, you hadn't beaten it yet. Okay. You're well, close. Oh yeah. Cause I was worried about not being able to do it again this week. <laughs> um, yeah. So I beat the final fantasy seven remake. Yay. <laughs> um, short, short story. I loved it, but we'll get more into that. Cause that's the purpose of this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it took me about 50 hours, which I was surprised because Jay told us earlier it took him 20. So. <laughs> 21 hours and 19 minutes and 38 seconds. Yeah. It took you like 13 more hours than me. Slow <laughs> <laughs> huh. going, man. Right. Um, and then after that, we started two new games. We started um, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I'm a big uh, Donkey Kong Country fan, and Corey got me that for Christmas. So now that we got through all the other games, we've been, you know, had more hot priority. We started that. It's really fun so far. A really good platformer. It's got a good amount of challenge to it. Uh, I, th- I think I've had that game since I've had a Switch, and uh, I've maybe put two hours into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, tricky, especially if you're uh, not versed at platformers, but... Corey's been doing okay with it so far. We're only in like uh, World Two, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, when he tried to play the original three Donkey Kong Country games with me, it made him too mad because <laughs> uh, he just wasn't very good at it, I guess. But um, we'll see how it goes. And then we also started uh, a couple nights ago, Persona Five Royal. Um, we just went back to. Kamashita's palace for like I think the third time and it's okay I like it so far generally um the 
the soundtrack is absolute killer. It's like, it makes me want to get up and dance. Um, the only thing is like, there is, it's kind of slow. I feel like it takes forever for anything to happen. Um, yeah, that, that was also my experience with persona five. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. It takes like, uh, it feels like you talk about what you're going to do or need to do for five hours and then spend 30 minutes to an hour doing that thing. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. But I've heard such amazing things about the game. Like I've heard some people say it's their favorite game ever. So we're going to hold out for a lot longer. Corey's been dying to play it, but <laughs> he's kind of feeling the same as me so far. But I think we're still pretty early on. Yeah, I think it might pick up a little bit, but generally speaking, it's like, like you have to go to each, um, each castle, what, whatever, what's palace. the re- yeah palace? <laughs> you have to go to each palace like three times before you actually make your way through it. Yeah. And then I feel like it's like okay, now go you know do random stuff for two weeks in game, and I don't know, build relationships <laughs> and yeah. work, uh, get a job. Uh, I feel like that. it's it, it's too slow moving. Well, I'll be the. I'll be the judge of that. And uh, I guess since we're playing it and Rich is playing it, then maybe you should jump back in too. I probably should. (laughs) But I will not do side stuff. We know you won't, ever. That's like 70 hours out of the game right there. (laughs) It's only a 10-hour game. Yeah. It's Uh, about like Final Fantasy 15. Right. (laughs) Um, Well, that's it for what we've been up to. What about uh, you, Richard? So I have, since we've already finished seven, I started back up with Vesperia. So I'm about 13 hours into that game. I just met Raven. We're in the same spot. Yep, right there. Um, And I've been playing Crisis Core. So in Crisis Core, I'm taking my sweet old time. I'm doing a lot of the missions. I really want to 100% those missions and do everything I can. So I've done that a couple times and both times I wanted to kill myself. So good. Yeah, it's a little rough. I'm at 14%. Oh. And I just got ready to leave. I just, me and Sephiroth are getting ready to go find Angel and Genesis and try to talk them out of whatever they're doing. Um, is so that, I'm really early in. Really beginning, I mean. Have you done the, <clears throat> the Benora chapter yet? I'm trying to remember mm. like the sequence of events in that game. Yes, I went to Benora first, and that's where Angel's mother was killed. Yeah. So I've already done that, and that's the next spot is where I'm going to go. The war has ended. I am getting ready to go find Angel and them, and Hollander just showed up, I guess, or Hollander mm-hmm. is trying to do some stuff. So I've basically done every mission I can up to the very hard part of whatever they're labeled as, and that's it. I stopped there. So I yeah. kind of just, if they're hard, I'll do them because they're not that bad. I find... I found that I'm actually pretty over leveled now. So it's eh, really hello. easy to get over leveled quick in that game. Yeah. But I love it. It's one of my favorite, you know, side Final Fantasy games. So are you are you going to play through the whole like uh, uh compilation series like play through Crisis Core, then the original 7 and then uh watch Advent Children or I don't know, play Dirge and then watch Advent Children and then go back and replay the remake? I might. I mean, just just because it'd be fun. Um, because I have right. every single one of those. I've even got, um, I've got Advent Children. I got several versions of Advent Children, and um, there's a fan yeah, translation out there of uh, Before a Crisis as well. So I'd like to find that somehow. <laughs> um, It'd be nice. Watch, 
watch you play all these games and then they announce that rumored collection where it's like all high def and all that. I will be freaking pissed, <laughs> but I will still buy it. Now, now that you're doing <laughs> it, it will happen. Yes, yes. We've heard it here first, guys. Um, other than that, that's it. That's all I've done. Um, what about you, Jay? Uh, so I also beat the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Drake, I, the job. I, uh, I actually went through... Oh, how many chapters did I go through? I went through a, nine chapters since friday evening i was a little worried because based on where you were telling us you were at like on wednesday or something i was like i wonder if he knows how much he has left but no he just blasted through it yeah i uh so i was expecting to have to wake up this morning to to finish it off but i surprisingly moved like that the last bit of the game is very story heavy and lots of cutscenes. but i still you know made it made it through i uh well i i think for i don't know five hours is maybe all it took for me to to beat it from what, where i started nice you're a, a true champion maybe you should yeah. become a speedrunner. <laughs> maybe <laughs> i i did run i did finally figure out how to how to flee in that game and i was like okay i'm just gonna do this you mean just like run away from the monster yeah you just run away <laughs> i read a couple times like you can't run from this battle and i was like i didn't plan to. Didn't even know you could. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Outside of that, I also played Tales of Vesperia and uh, in roughly the same spot as Rich. Uh, so maybe we will be able to knock that game out. But uh, I am really enjoying Tales of Vesperia. Um, so I don't want to rush through it too much uh, since it's not, you know, uh, time sensitive. Yeah. yeah. It's not a new game. People aren't, aren't, chomping at the bit to hear a review of it um right so yeah i'll i'll continue that and maybe i'll eventually circle back to zestria but i doubt it for now zestiness no zestiness um <laughs> and then i also have been playing pokemon go because life is boring uh, from home right oh we can go on walks oh, okay I was about to like say, on the on trails i know they supposedly made it a lot easier to be able to play without actually going anywhere so i thought maybe it's all right uh i, I think you could do a little bit from home but overall it's not too much different that's one reason i gave it up pretty quickly back in the the it's heyday it's just because i felt like unless you lived like in in like a really populated area it was difficult to keep up your pokeballs that was my main problem I think it's a lot better now because I'm in a relatively small um, city and we have like, I don't know, six Pokestops within walking distance. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, yep. Yeah. I don't know of any real super particularly close to me. Um, Every now and then I'll see Corey boot Pokemon go up and just dick around in it. And I'm like, why are you even playing that? <laughs> but whatever you guys can have fun with. Yeah. Yep, that's it for me. Nothing too exciting. All right, cool. So moving on to the safe state of the podcast, uh, don't forget that we do have a pretty rockin' Patreon. Uh, So with that uh, Patreon, we give early episode access, um, ad-free episodes. We allow, uh, we like send out a link for live video versions. Uh, Like we're, we're live on YouTube right now but 
not too many people are consumers of that, uh, except I think Bill's over there watching now being a uh, stalker. Uh, but it is available. Uh, we also have the aftercast, which is kind of like a little, uh, little bonus, um, bonus episode. Bonus ep- yeah, bonus episodes where we just kind of talk about random items that aren't necessarily gaming related, but we try to keep it on topic. And uh, we also have extra non RPG reviews that go in there. Um, and there are more benefits, uh, but you'll have to go to our Patreon page to figure that out. Yep. Uh, one example of benefits is if you're on one of the higher tiers for three months, you get to do things like uh, pick Bill and uh, Rich's next game, stuff like that. Yay! And we have actually had the Patreon going for almost three months, so it's uh, almost time for that to happen for a couple people. <laughs> so uh, Yay. look forward to that. Another quick thing I wanted to mention is that... Uh, if you did tune in to the video version, you would see that I'm actually cosplaying Biggs right now, quite effectively, if I don't mind saying so. So uh, <laughs> that, You are, if you were Tanner, like a lot more Tanner, I think you'd pull off even, like be really spot on. I've also got like this studio light that's blowing out the color of my face, but yeah, he is definitely Tanner than me. We're not allowed to go outside. I mean, yeah, no. we're pretty ghostly. I'll just buy a tanning bed. <laughs> there you go. It's an expense for the show. We can expense that, right? Yeah. Patreon money, no. (laughs) (laughs) We need a tanning bed. Um, Yeah, and then, like Jay said, we've got some non-RPG reviews. Um, Rich and I are going to record the Resident Evil 3 remake here in the early part of this week, I think. And uh, I just got to edit a couple that Corey and I have done. We've got Captain Toad and Super Mario Galaxy on deck. So yeah, that's it for the Patreon. Make sure to uh, look into that and get, get you some great benefits. And uh, one more note before we move on to uh, the news. The uh, material lockdown is still going strong. Uh, for those that somehow still don't know, it is a challenge event run for charity by our very own Bill. Um, basically, you go onto Twitter and tweet at our Twitter bot, which I believe is at FF7MLD, and it will assign jobs to your characters to where they can only use specific material. It's a uh, pretty fun. I did one last year, and I thought it was a, a fresh take on the Final Fantasy VII, the OG. Um, so that's running till I believe June second. Bill said so. If, to find out more, visit materialockdown dot com, and that's it. So unfortunately, with the world kind of on lockdown right now, we weren't able to dig up any fresh hot news for everybody to uh, to start taking in and being up to date. Um, So we're going to have a pretty boring news section here. Uh, However, we do have some upcoming RPGs. What what are a couple games upcoming, Rich? So um, one that's already released is Trials of Mana that just came out on the 24th, so a couple days ago. Um, I picked that up, haven't played it yet, seen a lot of people talk about it, kind of mixed reviews. Uh, Sakura Wars for PlayStation 4 that comes out on April 28th. And then we also have Celestian Tales Realms Beyond uh, for the PC coming out uh, April 30th. And then Wintermore Tactics Club, which is also for the PC coming out on uh, May 5th. So those last two, I know nothing about. Um, so best of luck to those buyers. <laughs> Never heard of them. Um, Colin actually already finished Trials of Mana. <laughs> I got that. Yeah, I... Some people already finished it it's yeah. really fast. I think he like stayed up all night playing it or something. But 
Good job, Colin. Yeah. Anyway. Yep, so, so we are going to take a quick break, and then we are going to move on to our main discussion. Okay, so we are going to start our Final Fantasy VII remake review, uh, and it's going to be a long one. We're gonna we are in for a long ride. Uh, so let's go ahead and get this train rolling. Ain't no getting off of this train. We do you like video games? Ever thought about making a video game? Do you find that a week or two weeks is kind of short for a game jam? Well, have I got the game jam for you? Would the we can make this work? Probably game jam. The jam runs from April 20th to June 9th to provide a nice amount of time for you to make something cool. And the theme is, if you can smell that fat, you're not far enough apart. Shout out to the Lebanon Main Fire Department for this meme. Check out the link in the description for more information and to figure out how to join and submit. Have fun. Deal. Okay, guys, so we made it. Final Fantasy VII Remake. We played it, beat it. Um, just as a obvious fair warning, we're going to spoil the crap out of this entire game. Um, yeah, so so if you haven't played and beaten this game, stop. Um, there are some really, really 
crazy, um, crazy additions to this, this remake that may or may not be left better um, for you to discover them. Scott can probably talk more about that. <laughs> I was spoiled early on. So, and I, I preferred it that way. Um, so I fair warning, a version until the very end. Yes. Yeah. So fair warning, do not proceed if you have not beat the game. So leave. <laughs> should Just we, get out. Uh, should we avoid talking about the crazy twist at the end until we get there? Or um, I am going to drop one thing real fast and see if you guys agree. Since we have all beaten it, would you guys say that this is a remake or a sequel slash continuation of the series? Up until the very end, I would have said a remake because they were pretty faithful. Um, but the I'm still not like t- completely, totally convinced where things are going to come go from here. I do agree with you that the that stuff with Sephiroth at the end is uh, seems to say that there's more going on here than just a retelling of the original story. What about I'm you, Rich? Say this is definitely a uh, sequel kind of thing on what has happened so i think it's a sequel to Event children and what's happening there so <laughs> and people that don't yep. know what you're talking about we're probably thinking like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yep well it's just that's just what it is it's not a one-for-one remake and people that think that obviously are not really paying attention to the the subtle things that have been coming out for the last couple months yeah yeah so. and and what's crazy is there there are a bunch of like meta. There's a bunch of meta in this game. If you had not played the original Final Fantasy VII, there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't have been able to catch on. Um, so because of that, I'm putting this in the category of like a continuation. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we will get to that more. Um, but I am going to point out specific, um, like as we're going through the story, uh, I am going to point out specific scenes so we can kind of chat uh, as we move through the um, move through the storyline. Okay, we can just like speak vaguely about it until we get there. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully, we get the whole thing done today. Right. <laughs> we'll That's, the <laughs> That's the plan. We'll see. We'll see yep. if we can make it. Yep. So let's get started. So chapter one. Uh, chapter one is essentially what came out with the demo. Um, so you kind of start out in, with an opening scene and you see Aerith and it's the same kind of one from the trailer where she um, she see, she's going down to what pick up a flower, I think. Yep. She, she dropped a flower. She's going to pick it up. Um, and then it looks, looks like she's down, examining um, like a Mako leak and a pipe or something. Yeah, she's definitely suspicious of something. Um, and then she it kind of looks like she sees that something's coming. So she decides to, to walk away and leave. Um, from there, we kind of cut to the very iconic um, scene of of Cloud riding and jumping off of the uh, train that's going to the um, uh, sector sector seven reactor, right? Sector mm-hmm. one. Sector one. Yep. Okay, sector one reactor. Uh, and this pretty much plays through almost exactly like the uh, the original game. So you get off and you start you start battling Shinra soldiers and you make your way um, from the train and the like the train entrance and um, basically down into the sector one reactor uh, and you meet up with Biggs, Jesse, Wedge, and Barrett. Um, from there, you kind of just defeat a lot of um, 
a lot of Shinra soldiers, uh, you know, hacking through security, just being generally introduced to the mechanics of the game. Um, is there anything like super noteworthy in here uh, in this particular chapter? Um, we get to see Barrett and, and his crazy antics about um, about the planet uh, being, you know, at da- in danger and how Midgard is evil for uh, extracting Mako. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing is the intro, the very first scene is a little extended from the OG. Um, we get to see like an overview of Midgar and like what it, what it's like during the day and all the kids playing. And then it's, it gets sort of ominous when one of the, uh, you see one of the reactors fire up. Um, so I thought, I thought that was a really good addition, just a kind of establishing what it's like to live in Midgar and you know, that these reactors are probably no bueno just based on the mm-hmm. music and the kids being scared. Yeah. Totally. And I got another thing too. And the thirst for cloud from Jesse is pretty real. <laughs> yeah, it is right off the, right off the gate. Jesse is like super into cloud and, and maybe that's just how she is. I don't know. Uh, cause she's like that throughout the entire game. Easy on the eyes too. I think oh, she's yeah. to Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so they make their way through um, the Mako reactor and eventually get to plant the bomb. Um, with that, though, we get to fight the uh, iconic Scorpion boss, the Scorpion um, mech. Um, that, that was a good fight. I think it was a really good one to establish the... Um, the way you have to switch through characters based on specific scenarios of the of whatever you are fighting. Um, did you guys have any trouble with that boss? I know it was also through the demo. I played on easy, so I didn't have trouble with anything really. My first time in the demo, I found it very challenging. I used a shit ton of potions and was constantly run out of MP. Second time through, went a lot smoother, didn't have any issues. But I was really happy about just the challenge of it in general, because, you know, in the OG, you know, you cast bolt a few times, use a potion here or there, limit break instead. Just don't attack while its tail is up. <laughs> <laughs> or however he says that. Um, I, I had no problem um, on normal. Just is what it's just the same demo that I that I played. Uh, I did try to boot up hard mode right after I beat it and I got all the way to him. Um, he kicked my ass like really bad. So yeah, it doesn't sound fun. No hard mode. Like I saw people say that hard mode was easy for them. It's like, Oh, it's so great. Um, I'm not that good at this apparently. So yeah, it's we can talk the combat in normal is good. Hard mode more when we get to gameplay, but I, I yeah. do. Uh, after I beat the game, I tried one of the chapters on hard mode and couldn't be like basic enemies. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I kind of suck at the game, but. I suck very badly at the game. I I play for the story, okay? I'm yeah. A, yeah. I'm no purist. But anyway, so after that boss battle, um, I don't think they get the chance to actually uh, trigger the bomb themselves. Uh, I think, doesn't the scorpion going haywire kind of trigger the bomb? No, they um, the bomb does go off, but doesn't do much. It's very low explosion. Right. Low uh, or was it, was it the Sector 5... Um, bomb that they didn't set off. Yeah, it was. It totally was a mm-hmm. Sector 5 bomb. This one, I think they did start the timer. Um, and whenever you make your way out and you start seeing the explosion, it doesn't really do much. Uh, and then you you get some really wicked scenes of uh, 
that introduced President Shinra and kind of uh, what Herdiger. Um, and you can see that they're already plotting to turn all of the avalanche terrorism into something that is a lot more extreme than it actually is in order to uh, justify, you know, whatever the heck evil plans that they have. So using a, like uh, all the robots and the scorpion and everything that was existing in the Mako reactor, they made it from a tiny little bomb exploding to just the entire reactor, you know, imploding. Um, well, how do you guys feel about that change? Cause I saw a lot of people ups- kind of upset about it after playing the demo. So I like it. Uh, I like it because a, it established uh, how terrible president Shinra is and how uh, Shinra and Herdiger. Am I saying that right? Herdiger. Heidegger. Um, So right off the gate, you are seeing that they don't care about, they really don't care about Midgar. Like Midgar's like totally already established. They don't care about the reactors or maintaining status quo in Midgar. They have their eyes set on one thing. We don't know what that one thing is yet, uh, but they will obviously do whatever it takes to get there. The second thing it established is uh, kind of the moral... um, moral issues that Jesse ends up running into because she's the one who creates the bomb. Um, and, and that kind of leads into more um, character development for Jesse as a, a non-player character. That is also a uh, sort of a, a minor subplot in the OG is like, were they doing the right thing when they blew up the reactors? Um, at, at one point later in the game, Kate Sith kind of calls out Barrett for that. Um, and then Tifa expresses some guilt about it too. Um, so people were saying that that sort of steals that subplot away from the original, but it's like, they don't know that they didn't make the bomb that big. So mm-hmm. I think yep. that subplot can still be there. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the change and, um, I also think that it somewhat establishes, uh, later that we'll see in a moment, I think it establishes the um, Tifa not wanting to move forward. Like the explosion being worse uh, this time around, I think is what kind of changed some of these, these strands of fate that we'll talk about later on. Yeah. Um, I do have one question. Why did Jesse even come down as far as she does? Cause she's like, okay, I'll hang back. And then like, she didn't even do anything after they got through those initial password locks <laughs> so i think yeah. she does. technician support yeah she's more of, i don't think she's much of a fighter yeah oh well but yeah from after the mako reactor explodes um what what do they do after that they they hop yeah, on the train, train. yeah they mm-hmm. hop on the train um that's the end of chapter one when they get the, out yeah. of the reactor well no they don't get on the train yet yep they get out of the reactor after it's blown up oh yeah and then that's the end of chapter one mm-hmm Finn. So onwards to chapter two. What happens in chapter two, Rich? All right. So this is where things start to go off to the side here for us. So if you guys remember the OG version is they get off the train or they get out of the reactor and they make their way to the train. That's it. Okay. But in this version here, um, you get the look of the destruction that is caused by the reaction, the reactor blowing up. Um, Cloud is walking through the streets of Midgar in sector eight, I believe, or yep. Yep. Sector eight, um, sees, you know, what's going on, the destruction. So he's kind of making his way. You see people uh, injured, a lot of destruction. 
real quick that there wasn't a lot of people injured from the uh explosion in the first game right or in the original i don't think you saw anybody so i think i think that that it killed a lot of people well yeah oh i i feel like this is a uh part of the okay never mind i i I can't tell if this was a change in fate like a scenario where fate changed or just a just a change of the original story they definitely go way out of their way to like show the you know like the panic and the destruction that the bomb Mm -hmm. caused there's like people Mm -hmm. crying in the streets and shit fire everywhere yeah i feel i feel like this is a twist in the in the timeline that causes more like uh like spirals into more changes in fate that the whispers which we will mm-hmm. learn later on have to go in the og fix. i mean people are talking about it but it's like nobody's really you know too concerned or anything yeah so i think the the explosion being bigger is just a change in um in destiny mm-hmm. sorry rich you no go. you're good so and then you something happens when you get to a certain spot of uh, down the roads is cloud starts having one of those advent children spikes of you know change in scenery or whatnot so this is a big change from the OG version is Sephiroth actually shows up and I can't remember what he says to cloud, but he starts walk your cloud starts to get disoriented and he starts following Sephiroth. And if you notice a lot of the stuff, the scenery has changed to Nibelheim, a lot of the destruction of Nibelheim. So he's seeing all that. Um, and he finally gets to a corridor. Sephiroth turns and says something to him. I can't remember what he said. This is this is probably one of my favorite scenes, like the way it is showing Nibelheim and like through Midgar. This is really well done. I agree. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Sephiroth says some things to Cloud. He freaks out because Sephiroth is supposed to be dead. Um, You know, he even makes that comment, I believe. And he draws the Buster Sword and takes a swipe at him and he disappears. So the whole uh, illusion's gone. Cloud shakes it off like it's something. Um, just something crazy's happened. And then he gets to the main street and sees Aerith. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. Yes. But here's where the big twist happens. He starts to see Aerith. Aerith says something to him. Um, he's like, get out of my way, whatever. Um, and she gives him a flower. You take it, I believe, right? You take the flower. And then all of a sudden, Aerith starts freaking out. A lot of a lot of things happen. Cloud grabs a hold of her, and that is when you get introduced to the fates or the whispers. Yeah, right? They're, they're called whispers, but they're basically dementors. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're Harry Potter dementors. Dementors are um, fate. Yeah, so everything starts to go a little haywire. Um, Cloud sees these guys, and he's trying to you know talk, find out, figure out what they are, and they're diverting something. It seems like they're trying to keep somebody from leaving. Um, this is an Aerith finally takes off, right? And so, uh, so I think it's important to to notice that the Shinra uh, soldiers show up before she leaves. Yep. So she was usually in the the OG version. She's gone before the other that they show up, but the Dementors held them on there a little longer, and they show up. And this is where we where I brought up earlier is. One of the soldiers recognized Cloud. Yeah. So it happens. It happens a couple more times too. Yes. And I'll, there's something at the very end I do want to bring up about about that. But you know, then they fire on him. Cloud just starts hacking and slashing, killing people, uh, beating the crap out of them. And then he makes his escape and jumps. You know, through the rooftops, he has to make his way through um, blockades, 
to get to the train. Um, usually in the OG version, he just gets ganged up on and then he jumps off the, the ledge and onto the train. I think this um, is our here, first taste of some a part of the original game being super like extended and expanded upon yep. from what was in the original. Yep. So he's getting talked to by I think either Biggs or Wedge. One of them is he's trying to direct him. And they finally make it to the train. He jumps off and gets onto the train. And that is it. Yep. That is the end of chapter two. So I guess the most major change here, aside from the Dementors, would be we meet Sephiroth and are introduced to him way, way earlier um, than we saw in the OG. So Yeah, he's introduced like right out right out of the gate. Yeah, because yeah, you don't know anything about him until like the end or the end of the Midgar scene. Yeah, the whole this one. You you hear him mentioned a couple times by a few different people, but you don't even see him until the flashback. Uh, and the Nibelheim flashback, I mean. So that's a change. Yeah, I enjoy it because it establishes him as a villain uh, way earlier, um, and I think it works because as we'll see more, Sephiroth has a way bigger role in general in this part of the story. Uh, I feel like he has a uh, like while he's obviously like the. Um, the main villain for the original it it's more so like the lat like the last portions of the original i I feel like midgar and uh, president shinra and rufus kind of play as uh like one of the main antagonists for quite a while in the original one so i think one of the biggest changes is that sephiroth is the bad guy um yeah Although even in this one, they don't really talk about who he is or why he's bad. <laughs> yet. Yep. Um, and then I don't know about you guys. I really enjoyed getting to see more of what it was like on the upper plate. Cause I think this is literally the only time I think you have another couple screens like later in the game when you return to Midgar, but you spend very little time like up in the upper plate city and the original. And I thought it looked really cool. So. Yeah, it was nice. All right, well, I think that's it for chapter two. All right, so um, chapter three, um, Home Sweet Slum. This is basically the train ride back to the Sector 7 slums, and then you spend a lot of time in the Sector 7 slums. Um, I can't really think of anything that happens on the train that's too different from the original, can you? No, I think really what it was is you just hear some of the people say something about um, avalanche and the terrorists and, you know, why is it such a big deal? What's going on? Um, I think you see a Shinra manager make a comment and Barrett does the same kind of speech he does in the OG version about, you know, he's trying to save the planet. That's what their job is to save the planet. Shinra's bad. Avalanche good. Uh, that kind of stuff. Can I just say that I appreciate the uh, the fact that they kept the pizza metaphor in as like yeah. Midgar is a pizza because that's kind of like a, a cheesy part of the script. Well, no pun intended, a cheesy part <laughs> of like, the, the script <laughs> in their original. But like, I'm I'm just glad they kept that element. Yeah, and you do get to see like you from the original. You saw like a grid model of Midgar. Jesse was showing him, but in this one, you get to she does still show. Midgar, yeah. but it's a lot more high def and and you get to see a lot more stuff. Um, it's done really well, I think. But that's that's really about it. That's nothing really changes yeah. on I that. Saw, you learn about the ID passes, right? 
I saw another tweet um, where it was like a side by side screenshot of the Shinra manager from the OG and then like what he looks like in the new game. And it was like, God damn, why did everybody have such a glow up? <laughs> I know. Geez. Everybody's everybody's pretty. Yeah. Literally, like even the, all the NPCs, there is not like an ugly character in this game, really. <laughs> yeah, no. Everybody's you, a model. You can't be ugly if you live in Medgar. You have to, if you're ugly <laughs> and born that way, you have to get out. Even they, if they, they banish the you. Yep. They banish you. All right, so they get back off the train. They arrive in the Sector 7 slums. You uh, sort of like walk your way over to Tifa's Bar, 7th Heaven. Um, things at first sort of play out the same. Uh, you know, you meet Tifa, you meet Marlene, who is uh, Barrett's daughter. And then Marlene being, uh, she's cute as shit. Um, and you get to see sort of like a softer side of Barrett. You know, this is, you know, dad mode Barrett. Um, mm-hmm you kind of hang out with avalanche a little bit more, but after this initial scene, uh, things change quite a bit. So in the original, this is where you go below the bar into their like secret room and sort of participate in the planning of the next mission. Uh, they don't, they do that without cloud this time. Um, yeah, I think they even jip him on the money too. Yeah. Like he didn't get paid as much. It was, you know, kind of the whole deal. Cloud definitely doesn't care at all. Um, you see Tifa, <laughs> yeah, Tifa Ooh. is very hot as always. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a part here that has changed where you, in the original, you could choose to give the flower to Tifa or Marlene. Um, yes, and it's, this one he just gives it straight to Tifa. I do wish that choice was still there, but it, you know, not really a big deal. Well, and the thing is, Marlene did not have any fear of Cloud in the original. Whereas this one, she does. She doesn't like him. Yeah. Like he gives off a creeper vibe. <laughs> he kind of does, him. though. To, I could see how a little girl would see that. Yeah, but he's kind of an ass. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's that's definitely changed. Right. So t- Tifa needs to take Cloud somewhere to stay for the night. And yeah. this kind of made me think that maybe this is like literally the first night cloud has spent, you know, with Tifa and avalanche. So this must be like pretty shortly after he arrived in Medgar all fucked up. Yeah, I would think so. Um, another difference is too, I, I think in this where before they leave or she takes him to his house and everything, the meeting is going on, but Tifa doesn't go to it. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so she the- walks you to the apartment building, which is ran by an mm-hmm. old woman named Marl a new character. Yep. Um, she's kind of like this, like very headstrong old lady kind of, kind of batty, but also like, she's really cool. She mm-hmm. looks like an art teacher. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like her and Tifa sort of have like a grandmother, a granddaughter relationship. Um, we'll talk about her a little bit more later, I guess, but I really enjoyed the, uh, addition of her. I thought she was kind of a cool, like side character. Yeah, I agree. What about, so when you get to the apartment stuff, you see, or you actually get to meet one of the remnants? Yeah, so. Is that what it is? It's a, uh, it's a soldier. Yes. After uh, Tifa, you know, puts Cloud to bed and apparently she stays in the room right next to the room he's staying in. There's like bumps in the night and Cloud starts to get kind of annoyed with like all the weird noises coming from next door. It kind of sounds like somebody's sick or something. You go, he goes and investigates, and basically, it's uh, one of the Sephiroth clones, those black cloaked guys that we uh, didn't see until way later in the original. Well, isn't it? 
in it Sephiroth first? Maybe there's there probably is a scene in there with Sephiroth. Oh yeah, yeah, it is Sephiroth first. Yeah. Oh yeah, he torments like Cloud in his sleep. <laughs> I remember I, uh, making a, a a joke tweet uh, about something like uh, Sephiroth at three a.m. in Cloud's dreams. What are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of it's funny grilling. because it's uh, like Cloud yeah, fell back and was startled by this and everything, but he was getting ready to kill that guy. Um, and Tifa rushes to save him, save Sephiroth. Yeah, Tifa says uh, the Sephiroth clone, she's like, he's not a bad guy. And it's like, this guy literally can't even talk. Like, how do you know what kind of guy is? <laughs> he just so, so if you hadn't played the original game, like, would you, is this ever explained what who this man is in the remake? I don't uh, really remember. I, I think don't he's think just so. a sick guy. He's just sick. Yeah, you just see this him here. Yeah, you see him here, and you see another one uh, over in Sector Seven mm-hmm. near uh, near Aerith's house, and then you don't see him again until like the very very end, and uh, where they are, where they basically just look like Sephiroth until like the last yeah last moment. So in the OG, there was one Sephiroth clone you can meet in Midgar, and that's where the infamous this R sick line or this guy R sick line comes from. But he's not in a black cloak or anything, and I don't think it's ever revisited again. Like that was a Sephiroth clone. Um, I think if you come back to Midgar way later, the guy is gone, and they say something like, "Well, he left, muttering something about re- the reunion, or something like that." So, is this is uh, probably a little too far of a jump? But um, in the original, was this guy the one who? Um, who did everything in the Shinra building at the end? I don't. I didn't. I don't remember that. Was it a Sephiroth clone or was it just Genova? So it was the original. Genova. Every time you see Sephiroth himself in the original, before you get to the Northern Crater, um, it's Genova shapeshifted as Sephiroth, being controlled okay. by Sephiroth's will. Um, okay, and Genova being like the thing that was sucked all inside the like, all up in the uh, the containers. That Hojo had, yeah, yes. So okay, I wonder if they're going to establish it that Genova's not the one shape shifting; that it's cl- uh, like Sephiroth clones, or like soldiers that were injected with Genova cells. It seems like that might have been sort of implied. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the whole idea of Genova shape shifting is out the window. Maybe, which we'll, is fine. We'll see, because uh, that was like maybe one of the things that people got the most confused about in the OG. <laughs> that like nope. Nobody really understood that that wasn't actually Sephiroth himself uh, until the end, unless you like really thought about it and analyzed the story. So yeah, um, after that whole incident, you wake up the next morning, go back to the bar. Basically, Tifa wants you to, she wants to help make up the money that he, Cloud got gypped on for the job. And then you enter SideQuest Town. Um, you can just skip. Yeah, you can just go all over the uh, Sector 7 slums and do side jobs for people. There's like four or five of them. The only real notable thing I can think of, I can think of that happens is you meet Johnny here, if you do all the I love Johnny. <laughs> I love Johnny. Um, so Johnny was a character in the original, but he was very minor uh, in comparison to how much they've expanded on him in the remake. He was like a childhood friend of Tifa's crushing on her. And you don't even have to interact with him at all in the game to even like find out who he is or anything. But you get an achievable. 
isn't cloud also a childhood friend of tifa yes i mean (laughs) (laughs) um so johnny is just like this really like brazen kind of obnoxious like uh he's a bro yeah he's a he's a bro (laughs) he calls cloud bro all the time and uh cloud's like i'm not your bro (laughs) Um, he does, there's like a side plot here where he kind of knows what avalanche is and Shinra is going to like torture that out of him and cloud and Tiva end up saving him just to prevent him from talking. Then he runs off. That's because cloud threatened his life. Right. <laughs> While he was blindfolded. He's like, I'm going to kill you or uh, no, he was, he was going to kill him, but Tifa told him no. Yeah. Cloud suggests that he, they should kill Johnny and they should kill the soldiers that they stopped. And she's like, cloud, you're scaring me. Um, so that's just showing Cloud's hardened edges. Anyway, you go back to the bar. Um, there's all these scenes where like you kind of hang out with Tifa. She serves you a drink, um, and basically they decide Cloud decides to just like the OG accompany them on the next mission to the Sector Five reactor bombing. Um, however, that night there's an attack by the Dementor Whispers. Um, they basically just storms the slums, like, you know, just a tornado of ghosts attacking people. Um, so this is sort of a boss fight here. It wasn't that hard. Um, although I was kind of confused about like, why in the world are, and after they leave people, shit, I got ahead of myself. I skipped chapter four here, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, this is, yeah, you skipped chapter four. Okay. Well, (laughs) Let's put a pin in that. And uh, well, because we, you find out basically that because Cloud is not going to go on the next mission, um, he's done. He's done with everything. Right. Yep. Um, Cloud is uh, going forward. They were not planning on having Cloud in Avalanche. Right. Yep. Because he got kicked out. Um. So then there is something that happens on like night two while you're in the slums, where Cloud sort of gets asked to do something, which is chapter four, which means it's your turn, Jay. Yep. Um, so basically, Jesse comes to Cloud and asks him for a favor, um, and she would reward him uh, with help. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, reward. We all know. We all know what we were hoping it was. Giggity. <laughs> Cloud just wanted some materia. So I can't remember uh, what exactly she tells him, um, but she basically just says, "Get me up to uh, get me on, uh, you know, top side." Um, Sector seven. Um, I could be wrong, but wasn't it like she needed more components for the bomb? Yeah, yes. I think she, I think she might have told Cloud the truth, uh, being that she basically she feels guilty for um, how big the explosion was uh, for Sector one, uh, and she wants to make a bomb that isn't as powerful, but she doesn't have the material for it, so she has to go steal it from Sector seven. Right. So they end up making their way up to it. Um, making their way how, downtown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like the first kind of sequence in this is that uh, you have to make your way through uh, like tunnels on a motorcycle. And it's the first time you see like this motorcycle mini game. Um, so you go through and you end up getting scanned, uh, which causes a lot of Shinra soldiers to come and start chasing after you. Uh, so you have to go through, battle a bunch of Shinra soldiers, and then we are introduced to a new character who is an, a soldier or a rogue soldier, it seems like. It doesn't seem like he's a, really a soldier anymore. 
I got the impression that since they let him get away with so much that like soldiers can get away with almost anything. Yeah. So his name is Roche. Uh, this is the first time that we are ever seeing him. He wasn't in the original. Um, and so you battle him on the motorcycle as well. It's kind of like a little boss fight motorcycle. Uh, but eventually you beat him and all of that comes to an end and you get to your destination. Uh, whenever you get there, you find probably out say that uh, all of chapter four is like a completely brand new story section to the game. Yeah. Yep. It is all like character development for uh, Jesse, Biggs and Wedge. And Biggs uh, and Wedge so, come along for those two uninvited, but they figured out what Jesse was up to. Yeah. Except they think that she's going to see, um, see her parents, right? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So they, they think that Jesse's just wanting to see her parents. Um, so they get topside and they end up going to Jesse's house. Um, and, but cloud doesn't go inside. She tells cloud basically to go around the back whenever they're, um, her, her mom and Biggs and wedge are having dinner to go around the back and steal her dad's, um, uh, access card so that they can get into the, um, the Shinra building. So you do that, um, and you get quite a lot of scenes that around Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge that really build their character. I don't remember exactly anything too important, uh, aside from the fact that Jesse's dad has uh, really bad Mako poisoning and is pretty much going to die. Um, and there, there are some pretty good scenes where you're talking with uh, Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. Uh, I, I think it's just Biggs and Wedge talking about how um, they think that when you when you die, you go back to the life or you return to the planet and, um, you know, just kind of seeing a more spiritual side of them from there. You, everybody finds out about the plan. Uh, and the goal is to sneak into sector seven. And, um, I think the main goal was to, for cloud and crew, uh, to cause a little diversion in order for Jesse to go and, steal the material that she needed. Um, so that happens. They, they start setting up a diversion, um, except Roche shows back up and causes kind of a big ruckus. Um, well, there are so some fight- pretty funny scenes here, like uh, Wedge using a dog whistle to call the, the guard dogs off cloud. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. And uh, he gets bit he gets in the bit. ass. I'm yeah, he gets sure. bit no, on he the bottom. He gets shot in the ass later, but he does get <laughs> attacked. No, I think he thinks he got shot in the ass. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and then there's like parts where Biggs takes like the heavy ar- artillery to help Cloud. So it's like really building uh, them up as characters. Yeah, th- they're, this entire chapter is just full of Biggs, Wedge, Biggs, Wedge and Jesse. Um, that really makes, it makes you think like, oh God, you know, these are awesome characters and, and we kind of already know the fate that yeah. they were uh, gonna have. I like them better than some of than I like some of the main cast now. <laughs> yeah, I do too. So you fight. Eventually, Roche shows up and you fight him and you end up defeating him and and he runs off on his motorbike after doing a bunch of really special tricks. Uh, and surprisingly enough, we never see him again throughout the rest of the game. I That's was surprised weird. by that too. I was expecting him to show up again way later. Yeah. So I'm. Not totally sure what their plan is for for this homeboy. Maybe he's going to replace Vincent. We'll see. <laughs> well, it seems um, <laughs> he also like um, helps the group once after Cloud defeats him in like single handed combat. 
he like takes out the rest of the Shinra forces there so that they can escape. Yeah. Yeah. They get surrounded and he takes out, um, and so they, they aren't able to ex- escape because uh, wedge gets wrapped up in a, in a, like a chain. And so they go and try to uh, rescue him. And then avalanche, you know, mother avalanche shows up and starts, <laughs> starts taking on. Uh, so this is where you learn that Aval- like the avalanche with Barrett is kind of just like a, like a rogue section of avalanche. And there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole different, uh, like there is a whole, avalanche crew that just seems like they're really buddy buddy with Wu Tai is my understanding of it. I found this um, interesting because um in before crisis, you know, the main characters are the Turks. So you play as all the Turks. And the main villain force in there is this giant avalanche organization. Um which was, you know, a, a brand new addition to the canon. Um I think in the original Barrett does mention that he sort of inherited Avalanche. Um, that there used to be like an, an old version of it. Um, so to sort of, I always assumed that like Barrett's version of avalanche was like avalanche two, kind of like just something not pathetic, but like something he started based on what avalanche used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you guys think about like that addition? I thought it was, I think it, um, gives us more opportunities for, uh, kind of content that can be created in the in the future games, uh, and I think it also makes more sense than an entire terrorist crew being like four ragtag um, yeah. guys and, and one woman. It's like, well, okay, this kind of makes sense. Like, like Barrett and his crew would totally not have the resources they need initially to like get this thing rolling. So it kind of makes sense that they um, originally started with a, a larger organization and then differed on on how they want However, I things think to change biggs does explain to cloud that like they are serious and like not necessarily a force for good like they're <laughs> so I, i'm going to be very interested to see like how they continue to involve them in the the future going forward i think i think we're going to see some content with uh with avalanche around yuffie and that Wutai. would be interesting um let's Remind me once once we get later to the story to talk about a theory that I've seen involving Avalanche. What part of the story? Uh, just once we get to the big twists of the endings. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so from there, uh, Mother Mother Avalanche shows up and and creates enough of a like huge chaos um, in order for Cloud and crew to escape. Uh, as well as for Jesse to escape, and she was kind of like, "What the heck, guys? Um, that was not that was not really what I intended you to do." And they actually have to like sneak out um, because you know uh, the ruckus that Avalanche caused. Just every all, all the Shinra started showing up, um, but eventually they rendezvous at like an empty lot and return to the slums. Um, they managed to save and- Wedge and. The reason I'm stopping you there is one of my favorite scenes is uh, when Wedge thinks he's been shot in the ass and uh, Jesse examines it. And she's like, you're fine and slaps him on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. fun. I think I feel like that does a lot to uh, show the relationship that her and Wedge and Biggs kind of had like they're it basically like they siblings. Almost like grew up together or something. Yep. I think it. I, I don't know. I think it's really cool and makes them really important characters. Yeah. Um, so the 
so you end up having to parachute down. So Jesse and Biggs team up to parachute down and then cloud and wedge parachute down. Uh, there's some really funny banter between cloud and wedge here. I can't remember exactly uh, what it was, but it, it made me giggle. Uh, so yeah. they jump. There's um the whole thing about this is like, even though I liked those characters in the original, you know, Biggs is kind of cool looking. Jesse's like the, the cool girl. Uh, wedge always seemed like he was just kind of there. And in this version of it, it's like, Wow, he is hilarious and one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, he's really great. So they jump down and him Wedge and Cloud parachute their way down and and Cloud basically like just escorts him home. <laughs> so yeah. they kind of they check on Jesse to see if she's home yet. She wasn't, so Cloud takes uh goes over to Wedge's place and that's where you learn that Wedge has like has a bunch of cats. Did he have a bunch of cats in the original one? No, not that I know of. So he's a cat guy and you kind of pick this up from scenes that you see throughout chapter four, where he's like, you know, talking to like wiggling his finger at cats at pretty much any time he sees a cat, he's, he's totally into it. Um, but once he is home, you return, um, do you return back to your place cloud's apartment or does he go back to where, um, just Jesse's house? He goes to Jesse. Yeah. He goes back to Jesse's house and she comes out and, um, flirts with him a ton and ends up giving him a materia. I thought this part was awkward. If you'll remember, this is where she like sort of puts her like head on his shoulder and like whispers stuff for him. I was like, all right, I, I know you're Jones for this guy, but this is awkward. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> I was a little jealous. Well, understandable. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm curious why they kind of established her like this, but I guess she was a little flirty in the original one, but, this is pretty extra. Yeah. Uh, that was actually one thing I didn't like. I feel like it was a little much. <laughs> yep. Um, and so so from there, she ends up giving a Cloud the remaining payment, which is uh, the barrier materia. Um, and then Cloud just goes and sleeps until uh, you're able to just go to sleep if you don't want to wander around the town. There is one How- more optional thing that happens here I want to mention. Um, I think at one point Wedge mentions that Biggs is like sort of psychs himself out all the time and like worries about things too much. And if you do go and like try to visit Biggs, Cloud like sort of gives him a pep talk about it. And I thought that was kind of a really cool side scene. I totally missed that. I didn't know that was <laughs> yeah, a I thing. Didn't, I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should uh, well, next time you replay. I'll I'll visit every single corner. So after Cloud goes to sleep, he uh he ends up waking up and the entire um sector seven slums is being attacked by mysterious specters that we know are the whispers. Um, so we don't know, really know what's going on, but it's just a, like thousands of crazy dementors are just attacking everything. Um, and so you fight them for a little bit and eventually they, they target Jesse and basically injure her. She um, falls down like the four stairs. <laughs> yeah. But her legs hurt. Uh, and so with Jesse injured, um, they end up deciding to hire Cloud uh, in order to take her place. And I think uh, Wedge was sick, and so Tifa had to take his place. Yeah. Um, and so their operation is essentially to go to the Sector 5, yep. um, sector the reactor five reactor, blow up the Sector 5 reactor. So, um, so, so quick call out the original um the original game did not 
like put Cloud's employment with uh, Avalanche up in the air. Like they, it seemed, I'm, if I recall correctly, they were like, okay, we have Cloud. Let's go. Let's go do this. He asks uh, for a higher payment, which Barrett seems very reluctant to do, but he does. Because that's Marley's schooling money. Right. Exactly. Which isn't even brought up this time. Yep. So the fact that Cloud wasn't going to go on that mission originally is a deviation from the original game. Uh, but then the whispers show up and put that back on track. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it, thought about it that way. Yep. Um, that, every single time the whispers show up, it's because there's a deviation in the timeline. There, mm-hmm. That is something that sort of annoyed me, not the whispers necessarily, but the, um, you know, in the original cloud bigs, or Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse all go on this mission, and even though they don't necessarily play a super important part of the part of the mission, uh, they, I was kind of annoyed. It's like, wow, you just spent all this time building these characters up, and then you're going to take them out of a part that they were in in the OG. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because you don't see the, uh, the sorry uh, Wedge or Jesse again until the pillar part later. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the very beginning, when you see Aerith and the whispers, it's because in the original game, she disappeared before the Shinra soldiers showed up. Uh, so she ended up staying and hanging out and talking to cloud longer, uh, and did not leave before the Shinra soldiers showed up. So the whispers had to jump in and get her to run away, uh, because that would have caused too big of a, a deviation. And then this happens again, where they ended up deciding to not take cloud. Um, which would have completely thrown off uh, the original, like the original timeline, yeah. and so the whispers had to jump in and do something, anything to try and put that back on track. The other thing that I thought was sort of weird is after they defeat the whispers, everybody's like, "Well, I guess it was just a bunch of monsters." Like that wasn't weird <laughs> at all to have this like fucking storm of you know wraiths <laughs> taking over the town. Yeah, yep, I agree. I was like, well, I'd be a little more concerned. This is fine. it's all good it's okay yep so that puts us to chapter five okay so these two chapters five and six are pretty short uh there's nothing really happens in them um i wouldn't say the og version but well there's not a lot of story in them yeah nothing it took me like 30 minutes to go through both of these yeah (laughs) so what happens in the og version is you get on the on the train and you go through the train and your ID gets checked again and it's a fake and alarms go off and you hit the tunnels and that's how you make it to the reactor. Well, in this version here is again, the same premise of it's just cloud Tifa and Barrett. The alarms go off and you have to go to the, um, go in the trains they kick everybody off the trains. Uh, I thought that was kind of nicely done. Um, kind of a callback where Barrett jumps off first, right? I believe he gets off first and then cloud gives a pep talk to Tifa and ends up jumping off together. And that's basically, you know, those two trying to figure out what's going on and, and um, then making their way. You do get a good glimpse of Heidegger. Um, He does see them and he's like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta flush them out and end them once and for all and set the trap. So you kind of got to see what's going on um, with, all of them and the, how the trap was sprung and if Shinra was actually watching. So they make their way through that. There is one little bit here that, that I thought was uh, a good scene. Um, it's when they're like trying to evacuate all the people from the train or into like a safe car. Oh and yes, that's right. The Shinra manager says something like, uh, 
but I'm Shinra to Tifa. And she's like, I don't care. I don't want anyone to die. So I thought that was like a really good piece of, yeah, you, there. you see the, you see the compassion of the, um, of the actual Shinra person. Like, Oh, well, they're not as bad as I thought they were. They're actually trying to save my life. Whereas my company that I works for, that I work for is trying to kill me. So that's a good development there. So once you get through all that, um, you learn about scamp, which is the mark of avalanche. It's just a wartime painting of a little dog. Um, it's like a use. Shinra propaganda thing that yeah. so just turned. What breed into. is the dog in this timeline? Because I think that's that's an important point. It's a end. beagle, I think. It's a beagle. Um, well, so I yeah, don't think stamp was ever that. even mentioned at all anywhere until this in remake. The, I'm I'm pretty sure it is entirely a construct to fill us in on what timeline is what. Yeah. So Stamp is a beagle in this one, so definitely pay attention to that one. So they go through everything, and you see the monsters. You get a little idea of what Shinra is doing. They're going in the subway stations occasionally and clearing them out. And then you get to Chapter 6, and that is just the plate lighting. And all you're doing is just a puzzle of turning lights off, conserving um, energy to open the next platforms, and you keep going through that, and then that's it. You're Once you're done with that, like I said, Jay, it took you, what, 30 minutes to do both of those chapters? If yeah, that, there's, there's no story whatsoever. No, dude, this. It took it's, me like four or five hours to get through those two chapters. <laughs> I have no what idea. Doing? I have no idea how that took you so long. I, I literally just ran straight through it. This little and thing. I even had enough time to get through all the stuff there, all the other items and materia. Yeah. Um, I will say this little stretch of the game uh, is probably my least favorite part of the game, just because, like you said, Jay, they're is very little story in these two chapters and it's basically just like a big dungeon and yeah i mentioned this in a couple times in the past few episodes but that's my biggest complaint about this game there are parts of the og that were two ish screens that now takes hours to get through for me anyway um yeah with with very little happening story-wise especially like filler halfway into the inside the plate chapter i was like when is this going to be over? I hate these puzzles. I'm, I just had a hard time with it. I mean, I still love the game, but that that would be my number one complaint. And there's a few other parts in the game that are like that, where they took a few screens and made it, you know, a, a giant dungeon. Yeah, the earlier chapters do that quite a bit. So, but that's that's really the end of if chapter six is just doing those lights and getting to um, the reactor, uh, reactor five, and that's it. That's chapter six. Yeah. Okay, um, so then chapter seven is mine. This is b- basically the recreation of the Mako Reactor 5 segment from the original. Um, basically, you know how in the OG you get to the very end before uh, you meet with President Shinra and he sticks the Airbuster on you. That happens a lot sooner in this chapter. You see some uh, holograms of President Shinra and Heidegger. They've basically planned this trap to where uh, the Airbuster mech can just take them out. So it takes a lot longer to get through the reactor than it did in the OG, but I'm okay with that because there was like story and plot stuff going on during all this. Um, Basically you have to get through the reactor and every so often you find these computers and you get to choose how you want to like debuff the Airbuster. Airbuster. You can like make it weaker in different ways depending on the machine parts you choose. So um, basically, you get through the reactor, 
everything else plays out more or less the same. Um, you take out the airbuster, you know, the, the plat, the railway, not the railway, the catwalk gets blown up and then cloud falls, you know, a thousand stories or however high up they are. And he's fine. <laughs> no, was... no, no, no. The flowers were oh cushioned. Well, I think it's okay. funny. Like you jump off the plate with Jesse Biggs and, and wedge using a parachute to get down to the lower sector. And this one, he just freaking falls. No, the church was the, it <laughs> the broke root, his fall on the ground. It's soft ground. <laughs> that, I swear that is like one of the stupidest things from the, even the original, uh, like, I get that he's a soldier, but that's stupid. <laughs> Those Genova cells, man. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that would be something they changed. Um, for the I would have like, liked to at least see him like struggle on the way down. Like, I don't know, maybe he like was able to get his sword and like slow himself down yes. or like a grappling hook and slow himself down and it broke. And then you see him crash through the... Uh, like something just to break the momentum of just falling straight from the top of the, of the plate. So jumping ahead a little bit, uh, that reminds me, you know, in their original wedge falls from almost the very top of the pillar and isn't immediately dead. Um, in this version, they, they used the grappling hook to sort of like break his fall. And I was like, yes, that's sort of what I wanted for the cloud fall too. <laughs> yeah. Um, also side note, it was also a very stupid, in my opinion, change to the, uh, not a change, but addition in Crisis Core when Zach also fell through her roof. And I'm like, really? That's just unbelievable coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I know it's meant to like, you know, highlight the parallels between Zach and Cloud, but still. Anyway, um, so the main changes here, what do you guys think about? not actually seeing president Shinra in person and instead seeing, you know, the, the holograms makes more sense. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have seen him in person in that scene, but also like it makes way more logical sense for him to not put himself, the president in arms way like that. Yeah. Why would you, why would you risk that? So it makes definitely makes more sense in the hologram. It shows the technology, um, for that and how, you know, advanced, Shinra is and the, the plot that they had and yeah. and everything else. So, yeah. So I think that was really, I enjoyed this longer chapter. Um, did you guys have any problems with the Airbuster? No, nope. I originally tried not using Barrett because I was being dumb and just controlling cloud all the time, but the, the, and we'll talk more about this in the gameplay, but the, the AI for your team is terrible. Absolutely yeah. garbage. So I had to switch to Barrett. It seems to, like they, they are incapable of building ATB by themselves. So yeah, well, yeah. they don't consistently attack. Yeah. It's so annoying. Um. Oh, I forgot to mention there was one more. Um, in the train tunnel part, there was a new boss. It was like the the beetle warden or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that, that was wasn't like much, a brand new thing. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't easy necessarily, but I didn't really have problems with that either. Was there a boss in the plate chapter? I don't think so. I can't remember one. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so that's it for uh, chapter seven there, Cloud falling to mm-hmm. his not death. And so we move into chapter eight. So we start off with Cloud being woken up uh, by Aerith. I think we actually have like a, a cut scene that, um, like that is Cloud like kind of in his unconscious state. 
Uh, I don't really remember exactly what happens there, but Aerith ends up waking him up. Um, and they have a little bit of back and forth, like like Cloud not remembering who she is whenever they met at the beginning of the game. Um, You're the slum drunk, as you yep. said, was an option in the OG. <laughs> yep, that's funny. Um, so So they chat for a little bit, and then a group of soldiers walk in, uh, Shinra soldiers, uh, and it, they're led by Reno. Uh, and you actually ha- have to fight Reno. You see that they are there to grab Aerith, collect Aerith, and take her back uh, by her own will, of course. Um, I, I don't recall this being a boss battle in the original one. I thought they just straight up ran away. They did. So, so Cloud, this time around, fights Reno, and beats him and before he can finish him off the whispers intervene again uh so this is another instance where the timeline starts to deviate cloud and um Aerith were supposed to just run away uh but instead cloud uh, chose to fight and he ended up beating reno in order to put everything back on track the whispers flooded the uh the church and forced cloud and Aerith to 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 start to run away. The whispers show up so much that like I forget which scenes they were or weren't in. <laughs> it's like they're yeah, there I, constantly. Technically they are. Yeah. That's the whole point of them. They're right. just not constantly visible. Mm-hmm. Um which so maybe like they're showing up so much that I hope that there is some kind of I was looking forward to finding out the payoff cuz they were like sort of annoying me as far as, you know, showing up so much. Yep, and you find out they are just just uh there to be meta they, right. they they are numeras meta devices to retell a story um but also anyway so they that the, the chat between cloud and Aerith had gone on for longer because i feel like even in the og they said more to each other before reno came in i think so yeah oh well like asking about his eyes and stuff like that i think right. so um there's a lot of cool things they did with this one because those those whispers are there. Like there's several times when Aerith, I think, was gonna fall off the ledge and it saved her. It saved her from doing that. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, I, I forgot yeah. a lot of each individual thing they did. Yeah, they they do quite a lot of really small things. That if you never play played the original one and knew what happened in, in the original one, you would not have understood what they were doing. So they do end up running away and have to go through like uh, stairs and up on the church rafters like they do in the original one. Uh, except uh, Aerith goes and and almost falls, but a uh, Nomura Dementor saves her, uh, which is just another instance of saving. Uh, you know keeping things on track if she would have fell that would have thrown off the the whole timeline so they eventually get through um and escape the church and you go through a really long uh kind of drawn out walk across different buildings with Aerith. there's a lot of really fun back and forth that kind of establishes Aerith as like a really uh snarky uh funny um sharp-witted kind of person uh she's not whatsoever like a soft-spoken uh quiet innocent girl Which I mean, uh, she's she's a shit. A, yeah i was about to say she uh almost falls off a ladder and she's like shit yeah <laughs> and, uh, and ev- everybody goes <gasps> yeah it's like you hear everybody else cursing and you're like yeah i'm glad they kept this pretty adult and then Aerith curses you're like oh clutch your pearls <laughs> <laughs> i have at the end of this whole story stuff we're talking about i do have a theory about her why she's the way she is now 
So, okay. But I don't uh, want to talk about it yet. I, I did really enjoy this particular part of just getting to know Aerith as you, you know, cross the, the, the rubble, you know, in the sky or whatever. Yep. I think it's really cool. Uh, and, and because of the character building they do in chapter uh, eight, um, it, Aerith became my least favorite character to my, my probably one of my favorite characters. Like I, yes. throughout this remake, I am almost seeing Aerith as the main protagonist um, and Cloud being a supporter. It's kind of um, like in 10 where Titus is the, is the protagonist, but the main character is Yuna, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll talk about more that more in chapter 18 uh, whenever Aerith gets a real, a lot of screen time and, and gives some speeches, but um, right. Yeah. So, so basically Aerith tells Cloud that she's hiring him as her bodyguard uh, and he escorts her all the way back to her house, uh, which is in the Sector 7 slums. Um, and her house is really, really great. Like, like I remember in the uh, original one, it definitely, like, the the pre-rendered background was obviously a lot different than everything else. There were flowers, but it was beautifully done in this one. And I would say the whole Sector 7 was well done as well because there's some opportunities for side missions and and you kind of just see how sector seven uh slums all love and know Aerith. um uh hate to correct you jay let me adjust my glasses here actually uh that that area is sector five oh is it sector five my bad yeah yep it's hard to seven sector seven is where seventh heaven is right (laughs) duh um yeah, it's hard for me to to keep everything straight. Um, but yeah, so you escort her back to her house and you meet her her mummy, um, Elmira. Yeah. Yep. I know she's only in a few scenes in in this game and in the original, but I enjoyed her contributions even in the original quite a bit. Um, and then at first in this part, she's like very terse, which. Um, it's fine, but that's not really how I interpret it in the original, but we still get the payoff with her later. So, yep. And, um, so whenever you get to Aerith's house, um, you learn that she has to make some, some deliveries. So you help her collect some flowers, um, and then go and, and give like, what is it? An orphanage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give the orphanage it, some it flowers. The, the leaf club or the, the leaf, leaf house. Leaf house. Yes. Yep. Um, so if you I do thought the, all of that was pretty cool. Yeah. And if you do all the Leaf House related side quests, you do learn kind of early that like Biggs uh, has like a really special place in his heart for the Leaf House. I guess maybe he yep. was raised there or something. Probably. Um, There's another side quest here that's sticking out in my mind. It's uh, you did all the side quests like Rit, right? Rit? Yeah, I did. I did. The Angel of the Slums thing. Where, yeah, uh, that's she turns out to like it's she's supposed to be like this grandiose thief who steals from like shinra stuff like a robin hood figure and then it turns <laughs> out that it's like this like squat like older woman who's it's actually, a grandma yeah she's kind of a badass <laughs> <laughs> oh um, good times yeah there's like this is another like side quest chapter after you get to you know eris house yeah. yep so we won't dive into like every single one that's just that one stuck out in my mind is one that i enjoyed I didn't play any of them, like I said. <laughs> so after you do the delivery, um, you get the chance for all the side quests. Uh, and then once you make your way back to Aerith's house, uh, you get intercepted by 
rude. So the entire time you're escorting Aerith back to uh, her house in Sector 5 from the church, uh, you're kind of avoiding the Turks. Uh, Turks being, you know, um, special forces of Shinra. Um, and he was actually kind of a pain in the butt. Um, it's like a, a dual style fight where mm-hmm. um, you have yeah. to, if you're not on an easy difficulty, I'm pretty sure you have to be very strategic in in moving and, and uh, counterattacking. Yep. This was in the trailer, but one of his moves is he like kind of, picks cloud up by the leg and swings him into Aerith. <laughs> oh yeah. Very funny. I, I just think he had some really, really you. So with this battle and you see it again, especially in the Rufus uh, battle, the way that they have the characters interacting with each other and the way that uh, um, rude Reno and Rufus um, fluidly move with cloud as you're controlling cloud. It blew my mind. It's really cool. And this is um, way earlier. You get introduced to Rude significantly earlier because you don't meet him until towards the end of the Shinra building in the OG. And I yeah. personally like enjoy meeting these. You know, I know they're not you know the the main characters, but like these important side characters earlier, getting introduced to them. And I agree with you, Jay, that that was like a, a really fun boss fight. Yep. So after you beat him. Uh, you Rude's kind of just like, oh, well, you're not going to go with us. Uh, I think he actually get uh, does he get called out for another uh, mission? Yeah, called on another mission. So he's like, think, oh, I'm leaving. I think if you know what's coming, you're supposed to assume it's the the plate thing. Yep. Uh, so he gets called off on another mission. Um, so from there, uh, Cloud goes to sleep, or they they go off into her house and go to bed and. And while Aerith is gone, Elmira kind of pulls um, Cloud to the side. He's like, hey, you just need to leave in the middle of the night. Like, Aerith's a good girl. Like, I don't want you involved with her. Just leave in the middle of the night. I'm trying to remember the exact line. She says, like, you're a soldier. You traded power for a normal life. You can't have it both ways or something like that. I think that's what she said, yeah. I always assumed that another reason that she didn't want Aerith involved with him is I would assume she at least knows about Zack. We never saw him meet her in Crisis Core or anything, but like she's like, oh shit, another soldier. She does not need to get her heart broken again. Yeah, that's I a would have, I, I would also think that um, I was like, oh, this guy's a soldier. He worked for Shinra, and you're like lovey dovey in with Aerith. You're gonna yeah. try to try to convince her to go find the Promised Land for you, you right. cocksucker. Yeah, but, <laughs> but no, so. There, he has to sneak out, and there's a super annoying mini game where you can't touch anything on your way out, or else Aerith wakes up and sends you back in your bedroom. So I actually ended up having to do that over ten times. Really I hated it. It took yes. me twice. I couldn't do. It. I think nope, I, I knocked something over once. I could not do it. My hands were not steady enough. <laughs> but anyway, you make uh, your way out uh, real quick before you continue. There is a scene while Cloud's asleep. It, it was in the OG too, but like you sort of. Cloud remembers a night where he spent at his house in Nibelheim, like reuniting with his mother. Oh yeah, and she says you need to find a uh, what? What ex- talking hey, about? Girl. Yeah, a good girl finding a finding a a girl for Cloud. Mm-hmm. And normal mom stuff. Notice that she has a name now. She did not have a name in the OG. I don't remember the name. No, I didn't catch it's, it. It's uh, Claudia, but. <laughs> 
I, I, I sort Claudia. Of, I did sort of wonder if it's supposed to be Claudia. <laughs> it's spelled like normal Claudia, but still. Claudia. My really? name is Claudia. That's like a J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter now, like, Cloud. alliteration name. <laughs> you need to find yourself a good girl, Cloud. And then Sephiroth has him like sort of have a flashback of him burning or seeing his house burning with his mother inside. So once again, <laughs> Sephiroth's creeping on Cloud in the middle of the night. Yeah, Sephiroth does it a lot. <laughs> I think he's a creeper, uh, <laughs> and he says a lot of. Uh, so once you get more context into um, into kind of the whole weird timeline thing, and and the idea that this Sephiroth knows more than he should know, he says things to Cloud that like make you think. Well, is he talking about you know the events that took place in the original game, or is he talking about? the events and and um like niflheim and all that fun stuff yeah um but yeah so you wake up and you leave and you start making your way back to sector seven uh but then you Aerith finds you or beat you to the punch and she was like well i guess i'm gonna go with you you don't know how to get back that's another pretty unrealistic thing i was kind of hoping that they might change like how the hell (laughs) does Aerith beat him there (laughs) yeah well she knows all the shortcuts but uh but yeah, so she takes him uh, and they make their way back to, um, uh, it's kind of like the gates of Sector 7, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they start making their way to Sector 6, but that meetup with Aerith is the end of that chapter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the next chapter is Wall Market, which there's a lot to dissect there <laughs> and talk about. Um, so I think maybe that should be where we cut it off. I think we can cut off uh, whenever we actually walk to, like, right when we get into Wall Market. Okay. So, they, again, they turned these two screens between Sector uh, 5 and 6 into a, a full-blown dungeon. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, so, uh, what, does 9 start out? I thought uh, 9 had started out um, after you saw that Tifa was kidnapped. Blue goes right there. Oh, really? I thought that whole dungeon was part of it, but we can get to that point anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, they basically, um, whose chapter is this? This is chapter. Oh, the end of eight. All right. So continue, Jay. Sorry. No, all good. Uh, So they make their way in between, uh, like through, like uh, all around sector six to go from uh, five to seven. And Aerith knows all these crazy shortcuts, and you learned that um, was it Sector Six that had the plate dropped on it? Yeah, way back when, long time ago, it just malfunctioned. I think it was implied that it happened during construction. Yeah, it happened during construction, and you can tell that the whole place is just kind of wrecked. Um, and there's some mini games through here that are kind of a, a huge pain in the butt with the the arm that were it was just like a one button press in the original, uh, but this time it's like like just a huge pain in the butt um in this in the og in this little section you can see a robot arm you don't really do anything with it um but there's like a little pipe you're supposed to run up to get to a higher ledge but the way the pre-rendered background is it's very hard to like know that that's what you're supposed where you're supposed to run I i got stuck there for like uh quite a while in the og so it makes sense that it also took quite a while to get through this part this time yeah so you make way all the way through it. You end up fighting like three goons that were that were pretty funny, um, and 
actually are reoccurring, but you fight them uh, as kind of like a boss battle uh, and then make your way to the basically like the gate of Sector 7. Um, and you right whenever you get there, you see the door, like the door swing open and a chuckabo carriage carrying Tifa in the back, all dolled up. Um, and I think Aerith knew that that was for Corneo. Is that right? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, initially, Cloud was just going to go in and Aerith was going to walk herself home by some other secret safe shortcut that she decided not to take this time. But then they see her and um, I, I think Cloud wasn't, wasn't he initially like, oh, she can take care of herself. And then Aerith yeah. is like, oh, no. Oh, no. You go and save her. Well, he goes to try and save Tifa and has that little conversation with her while she's on the carriage. And she's like, oh, yeah, she basically tells him to stay out of it and go to Sector 7 slums. I like this line. She says, you know how much ass I can kick. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, I do. And then he lets her go. <laughs> yeah, which I, Especially later in the game, she is very strong. Oh, like yeah. I used her uh, a lot towards the end of the game because she's very she's really fast and she's strong and i think um there's like her one power up move where you like do a combo and then add in the uppercut like the amount of damage it does is insane um but anyway so after that conversation cloud decides he's just going to try to return to the slums but Aerith insists that they go after her um and so they head off to she knows more about corneo's deal yeah she knows corneo cloud does not <laughs> right and there's one little bit we skipped they have that uh talk on top of the the hamster slide in the park oh yeah that's and right she, uh actually cloud asks her what her you know ex-soldier boyfriend's name was and she supposedly says zach and then uh cloud has like one of his like brain snaps which i thought was really a, cool but it's like he has a stroke you don't hear aneurysm her audibly say it uh, mm-hmm. So it's like he couldn't hear that name, or his brain would have broke. <laughs> Doesn't uh, I know th- throughout um, the original game too? He just even whenever he hears Zach's name, he's just like, "Nope, never heard of him." Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe he did hear it, but he just gave him a headache. Because I know in the original, you can go back and see Zach's parents um, and. They like they say Zach and how he was a soldier and everybody's like, oh, did you know him, Cloud? And Cloud's like, nope, didn't know him. That's true. I just found that to be a cool touch. Yep. But yeah, that is where we are going to call it stops today. Um, whenever we pick it up for the the second part of the story, we're going to to um, hopefully chug our way through the um, wall market all the way until the end. Uh, from there, we will move on to the other sections of the review. Uh, and we're going to probably finish it off with a a um, uh, theories episode at some point. Don't know if we will tip off the uh, review with this or if that'll be a uh, in a couple weeks kind of thing. Jay is very uh, excited to talk about the theories. <laughs> the theories is all I care about. <laughs> There's lots of them floating around out there. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't think we we don't have a tea time with Bill uh, this time around. We might be able to to um, get one for next week though. See what yeah. he thinks about about this uh, this sequel. Sounds good. That's it, guys.
All right. So next week, we are going to pick up where we left off in this Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, reimagining, continuation, sequel uh, for the part two of the review. That sounds good to me. And yep. uh, very relevant, just a, another quick reminder, the material lockdown is live now. Um, it's for a good cause, the Motor Neuron Disease Association. So please look into that. Um, it's it's a fun challenge. And it's not really that hard because the OG FF7 is a pretty easy game. Uh, so find out more about that at materialockdown.com. Um, also, we would really appreciate it if you guys could go on to iTunes or uh, Stitcher or Spotify or whatever your podcatcher app is and give us a nice uh, rate and review if you enjoyed the episode. Um, we've said it before. We'll say it again. The best way to get this uh, podcast out there, get more people listening to the episodes and hanging out with us and whatnot, uh, it's to review. It sort of shoots the podcast up on the uh, the that week's ratings, kind of. So that's really good for us. Um, and we would really appreciate you throwing one of those to us. Yeah. And if you want to talk to us, guys, we do have a lot of community out there on our Discord channel. The link is at the bottom of the description of the episode. Come join us in the conversation. Yep. And again, don't forget that we have a Patreon uh, where the benefits include early episode access, ad-free episodes, uh, live video versions of the podcast, and extra episodes, bonus episodes, uh, like the Aftercast, which is just a general... Uh, us kind of shooting the shit about whatever we want to talk about at the moment, uh, extra non RPG reviews uh, and more. So check that out on our Patreon, where the link is also in the the episode recap. Yeah, and if you have any negative feedback or questions, things like that, definitely email the show at rpgafteryears at gmail dot com. So let's finish it off with our twiddle, 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 <laughs> our Twitter handles. You can find the podcast at RPG years. Uh, you can find me at J A Y Hizzle. You can find me at the Scott spot and me at hail blue one, five, six, nine. And finally you can find bill the, uh, the ghost of RPG after years past uh, <laughs> at Matunica. Uh, so that is all we are going to do today. Uh, So we will see you next time for the second part of the Final Fantasy VII Remake Continuation Sequel Review. Uh, I'm Jay. I'm Scott. And I'm Rich. We'll see you next time for some more RPG After Years. Bye. Bye.
Hey, I'm Tyler, and I host the podcast Too Young for This Hit, where I used to watch movies I had never seen before with friends who really liked it, but then I ran out of time because I was doing too much other podcast stuff. Anyways, now I'm watching TV shows with my friend Evan. Say hi, Evan. What? So we're watching TV shows that at least one of us haven't seen. Sometimes both of us, anyways. Sometimes we like them, sometimes we hate them. Other times it's just, I don't know, but whatever. But anyways, well, we're watching them, and it's Too Young for This Hit, and you can find us at probablywork.com and any other place you want to listen to podcasts, or you just hear sounds in general. That's probablywork.com, and we're Too Young for This Hit. Well, I got to go ahead another podcast, so bye. Oh my god, I hated that so much.